0: The Lord gave the fish a command, and it spit Jonah up onto dry land. A message from the Lord came to Jonah a second time. The Lord said, go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce to its people the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the Lord. He went to Nineveh. It was a very large city. In fact, it took about three days to go through it. Jonah began by going one whole day into the city. As he went, he announced in 40 days Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's warning, so they decided not to eat any food for a while, and all of them put on the rough clothing people wear when they're sad. That's what everyone did, from the least important of them to the most important. Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh. He got up from his throne, he took off his royal robes, he dressed himself in the clothing of sadness. And then he sat down in the dust. Here is the message that he sent out to the people of Nineveh. I and my nobles give this order. Don't let people or animals taste anything. That includes your herds and flocks. People and animals must not eat or drink anything. Let people and animals alike be covered with the clothing of sadness. All of you must call out to God with all your hearts, stop doing what is evil, don't harm others. Who knows, God might take pity on us, he might not be angry with us anymore, and then we won't die. God saw what they did, he saw that they stopped doing what was evil, so he took pity on them, and he didn't destroy them as he had said he would.
1: Right, thank you for that. Uh, as you know, we're talking a lot about mercy, 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 mercy me. Um, I want you to have a little mercy on me. I need some help. And uh, I, I sent out a little email. This, this ain't anything to do with the message so far. We're, we're just getting warmed up. Jingle Jam, it's coming up in uh, two weeks. I'm talking to people who don't have kids who are not going to Jingle Jam, people with kids, you're going to drink it Great. I'm looking for helpers to be part of my cool crew. That's right. My cool crew, low commitment, about 10 minutes on Friday, December the 2nd. We're going to make it awesome. And if you can help me out, that would be great. It'd be better than great. Just 10 minutes of your time. Friday, December the 2nd. See Laura. She was just up here talking. She'll be in the back after church day. Just before you get your pie going, say, yeah, we're in. Okay, great. Thanks for that. Have mercy. There was Jones. Uh, One time, a young man, um, true story, uh, Napoleon's army, and this guy, he committed a deed so terrible, so, uh, it's just worthy of death, right? Guilty, for sure. Now, the day before he was uh, scheduled for the firing squad, the young man's mother went to Napoleon, and she pleaded for mercy for her son. And Napoleon replied, woman, your son does not deserve mercy. I know, she said. If he deserved it, then it would not be mercy. Ah, have mercy. Just in time for Thanksgiving, that's right. And just a few short days, you'll likely find yourself with plenty of opportunity to put mercy into practice because along with all of the food and the uh, festivities and the football, there will also be your relatives some of you are already cringing at the thought of it uh, you know the topics around the table right try to avoid those topics oh politics huh? religion what's wrong with today's generation how america's going to heck in a handbasket you know opinions abound tempers flare feelings get hurt happy thanksgiving have mercy that's the topic of the day because that's really the topic of jonah we're in the middle of our series and if you were with us last week then you already know that the account of jonah is about things that are way way bigger than a whale it's about racism it's about nationalism it's about idolatry the struggles we have as believers when it comes to actually obeying and and trusting god and and doing what he tells us to do it's about judgment it's about compassion it's about coming to grips with a god who could be so merciful to those who clearly don't deserve it it's about asking ourselves some tough questions Who is your Nineveh? Who do you struggle with receiving God's grace? Have mercy. So let's dig in with a little recap. Uh, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, go and preach to the great city of Nineveh because of their wickedness. Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria, and the Assyrians certainly were. Wicked, one of the most cruelest and most violent empires of the ancient world. If we had the time, I could completely gross you out with um, examples of their creative cruelty. It would blow your mind. How people could be that mean? Go there, God says. Absolutely terrible, absolutely shocking news. This was a call for a Hebrew prophet to leave and go to a Gentile city. This completely floored Jonah. He could never even have ever, ever imagined that God would want anyone to go to such a godless place. And yet, that is where Jonah sent. This is where all that that racial stuff and all that political stuff comes in because old Jonah is a true Israelite, blood-born citizen of God's holy nation, belonging to a people who are set apart, and Assyria is not. In fact, they are the hated enemy because they are constantly threatening to overrun Israel. And so doing anything good for Assyria would actually be suicidal for Israel. It makes no sense. But God wants Jonah to go and preach. Tell him the truth in love. Warn that city so that his judgment against Nineveh could be avoided. God wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So God was reaching out with compassionate mercy to the great enemy of his people, and God chose a patriotic Jewish prophet to get the job done, and no more unlikely agent could have ever been sent. And God's funny that way. Nothing about this mission makes any sense, any human sense to Jonah. What does make sense is he doesn't want to go. Why, well, two reasons, I think. The first one we can easily grasp is afraid, man. It's gonna be a train wreck. Failure, think of it. Let's, let's put it in a more modern context just to wrap our minds around this. How well do you think a Jewish rabbi would do on the streets of Berlin, 1941, calling on Nazi Germany to repent of their wickedness? How do you think that would go? Little chance of success, big chance of failure, or even worse. So yeah, Jonah's afraid of failure, maybe, but I don't, like Jim was saying last week, I don't think that's it, really. I think he's afraid of success. What if, you know, what if they actually do take God at his word? What if they do repent and come to believe God and and turn their, you know, from their evil ways and, oh, Jonah certainly did not want that. He hated, hated the Assyrians. And so, in short, Jonah does the opposite of what God told him to do. You know, he's called to go east. He actually goes west. He's directed to go over land. And so he went by sea. And he was sent to the big city. And so he, he buys a one-way ticket far, far out of town. Jonah gets in a boat. God sends a furious storm. Sailors cast lots to see who brought this trouble upon them. Answer the new guy. And so Jonah convinces them to throw him into the sea, and when they do, the storm subsides. The prodigal prophet is swallowed by a great fish because God has compassion on Jonah. Even though he totally, totally did the opposite of what God told him to do, totally in his face. He just, you know, he flipped God the bird pretty much. And God had compassion on Jonah, and he sends a fish. As Kerry Newhoff put it, God does not run away from runaways. I like that line. Do you know anyone who's run away from God? Anyone you might be sharing Thanksgiving with? Good thing to keep in mind that God doesn't run away from runaways, and we shouldn't either. Excuse me. Jonah sits in the belly of the fish. He prays a beautiful prayer of confession. If you read the story, it's all of chapter two, it's 10 verses. Uh, it, seems, it seems that he's beginning to understand uh, that God's grace is for all people, even these Ninevites. But I'll tell you, it, it really doesn't seem to get to his heart. His head, yeah, 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 he's desperate. But as we shall see, it doesn't really get to his heart, or, or at least it doesn't get there for long. And we understand, we are Jonah, <laughs> we do that too. Everybody knows, every Christian knows, right? Christ is Lord, Jesus is the boss of me, I will do what he says, because his word is true. He's God, I'm not God, I'll do what he says, he's the master, I'm the servant, right? We all get it, we believe that. We say it in, you know, in our heads, but when push comes to shove, sometimes, it doesn't really get into the heart for long, right? You know it. You know what Jesus says about the sins of, of lust? We go there. Greed, we keep it. Withholding forgiveness? Oh, we have our reasons. Even though Jesus said, do it, we like, well, we're gonna do the opposite. Not loving our neighbors as ourselves? We all agree, right, with Jesus' words. In theory, every Christian knows Jesus as Savior, not their career, not their money, not human approval. That's what we say. But while Jesus is King and Lord in practice, we allow other things to creep in and fight for that top spot in our lives, right? Just just take away the career or the health, or the relationship, or if our candidate doesn't get elected, ooh, watch out, because that means God is no longer on the throne. We need a freak. The world is going to hack in a handbasket. And that's because we've made those things idols. We've made those things our idols. Those are the things we put our hope in our trust in things we want so good made them bigger than they should be and so Jonah's lengthy prayer of confession is beautiful but it just doesn't (laughs) stick how easily we forget and Jonah too he's a work in progress he's very real very real oh Uh, but God doesn't run away from runaways and uh, so the great fish commanded is commanded to release Jonah right Jonah is expelled he is regurgitated he is spewed forth kids you know what i'm talking about right no okay let's put it in the real words puke barf throw up my least favorite upchuck <laughs> call it what you will but Jonah is rescued then the word of the lord came to Jonah a second time try try again go to the big city of Nineveh, and proclaim the message I give you. Smelling ripe, but nevertheless, Jonah makes the long walk to Nineveh. No details are given about the journey, which probably took him uh, probably about a month to complete, but all we know is this, that Jonah obeyed. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord, and he went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very important city A visit required three days. This is the place. Um, This is an important place. It's a big place. This is actually important because um, the text there is a lousy translation. Can we just put it back up one more time? Because what it's supposed to say is actually this. Now Nineveh was a very important city to God. That's how it's supposed to read. And that makes a big difference. Not just an important city, it's an important city to God. Because if something or someone is important to God, then something or someone should be important to us. God's mission should be our mission. His mercy for people should be reflected on how we treat people. You see, it's not up to us. We don't even, we don't even get a choice to pick and choose, to cherry pick. who we think is worthy of god's love and mercy And, and jonah made the big mistake of dismissing nineveh as unworthy when in fact it was a very important city to god and so jonah begins the preaching task on the first day jonah started into the city he proclaimed 40 more days and nineveh will be overturned let's pause there because that has got to be the worst sermon ever preached are you kidding me Jonah that's all you gotta say come on man of all the things you could say you choose eight words actually five in Hebrew but who's counting 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned that's it where's the part about God's love? where's the grace no inspiration no mercy no talk of forgiveness he does not even Give them the truth about their sinfulness. No, it seems like he's just kind of sulking down the street, doing the bare minimum, right? I'll do the bare minimum of what I gotta do here. But here's the here's the miracle in the story. It worked. It actually worked. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast and even the animals and and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth and get this, even the king, the most powerful man in the the world at the time, he gets off his throne and he puts on sackcloth and he, he sits down in the dust and then he issues this proclamation, let everyone call urgently on God, let him Give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent with compassion and turn from his fierce anger, and we won't perish. And when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion, and he did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. How do you like that? It worked. 120,000 people We're saved from destruction. That is the big miracle in the story. It's not the fish. It's the great word of God. Faith comes from hearing the word of God. How do you like that? How powerful is our God? How powerful is his word? How do you like that? Jonah did not like that offended by mercy he should have been thrilled but he was scandalized by God's wimpy compassion that's Jonah let's talk about you and me because I'll tell you what 2,800 years later we still struggle with grace Oh, don't get me wrong. (laughs) Grace is a great gift that we enjoy and and we want it. We love to receive it. Uh, Our struggle, of course, is giving it away. Uh, So what's the solution? Uh, My suggestion is we all just need a big old piece of pie. Not apple pie. Not pumpkin pie, no. The pie I'm thinking of is is very, very rare. Hardly ever see it. Not sold in stores. Talking about humble pie. Humility. That's the right word here. Don't be a judge. You know what? Because you and I, we make lousy judges for two reasons. First is, we're not good enough. We're no better than anyone else. Here's the truth. There is no difference among any of us, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You see, we all have different gifts and skills and abilities, but we all have the same weakness. And that is the sinful heart. So that's the first reason we make lousy judges. We're not good enough. And the second is this, we just don't know enough. So not only are we unworthy, we're also unqualified. So we we don't know enough about a person to stand in judgment of them. Now, I'm not saying we should not point out the truth. Aha, here's the difference. We should point out the truth. We owe it to them to point out truth. We speak truth, but it has, has to be in love. If you can't do it with love, put it in your back pocket. Save it for later. <laughs> Lead with love. You know, we, we do it with an arm around the shoulder, with a tear in our eye, not a smile on our face. You speak the truth in love. But always keep in mind that we're limited, that we don't know the whole story. Just like is it possible for anybody to know your whole story and why you do the things you do and say the things you say. See, we don't know all of a person's heart or all of their history or all of their hurts. So we need to be curious, not judgmental. That quote is often attributed to the American poet, Walt Whitman. However, it's unlikely that he's the one who came up with it. Nevertheless, it's a great quote. And uh, the reason I know anything about this quote isn't because I know a lot about Walt Whitman, uh, but because I know a little bit about Ted Lasso. But truth be told, I hardly know anything at all about The show Ted Lasso. I heard it's great. Still haven't seen an episode. Uh, But I did attend a faculty devotion last year led by one of our teachers and she described the darts scene. As I understand it, the darts scene is one of the most pivotal moments in the entire show and we're gonna take a look at that clip but uh, I need to set it up briefly. Ted, if you don't know, is a professional soccer coach. He's going against the former team's owner in a game of darts. And there's a lot on the line. The stakes are high. Uh, They're going into the final turn and Ted is trailing by a near insurmountable amount of points. And he has to throw the perfect combination in order to win the wager. There's a twinkle in his eye as he addresses his opponent
2: and the crowd, let's take a look. You know, Rupert, Guys have underestimated me my entire life. And for years, I never understood why. It used to really bother me. But then one day, I was driving my little boy to school, and I saw this quote by Walt Whitman. It was painted on the wall there. It said, be curious, not judgmental. I like that. So I get back in my car, and I'm driving to work. And all of a sudden, it hits me. All them fellas that used to belittle me Not a single one of them were curious. You know, they thought they had everything all figured out. And so they judged everything and they judged everyone. And I realized that they're underestimating me. (sighs) Who I was had nothing to do with it. (laughs) Because if they were curious, they would ask questions. You know? Questions like? Have you played a lot of darts, Ted? I would have answered, yes, sir. Every Sunday afternoon at a sports bar with my father from age 10 to 16 when he passed away. Barbecue sauce. All
1: right, that's, uh, that's so good, right? <laughs> We'd love to see that. Be curious, not judgmental. It's so good because because it's hopeful. It's knowing that we don't know enough to be the judge. We might have 95% of the story about some conflict with some person that you have in your life, but, but you don't have all of the facts. You know what that means? It means we can't write anybody off. It means there's hope for everyone. You really never do know. Be curious, ask questions, it's never too late. Nobody gets written off. Everyone needs the mercy of God. Everyone needs compassion and he got it. It's one of the most merciful encounters of all time. A condemned criminal was sent to his death by his country. In his final moments, he asked for mercy. Now, if he had asked it from any of his countrymen, he would have been denied. If he would have asked for mercy from his governments, he would have been rejected. If he would have asked mercy from any of his victims, they would have laughed in his face but he didn't turn to any of these for mercy. No, instead he turned to the bloody one hanging on the cross next to him. Jesus, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And the Savior answers him, i tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. And Jesus extends his same mercy to each and every one of us. And that's why he came to bring mercy, to be mercy. Jesus is the ultimate Jonah. He left the ultimate comfort zone of heaven to come with compassion, not to a people who might hurt him, might mock him, but he went to a people who would kill him for coming into their town and preaching the truth, and they took him, and they beat him, and they stripped him, and they nailed him to a cross, and from that cross, he speaks of all things mercy. Father. Forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Oh, that's our God, he's the toughest one ever. <laughs> have mercy, and he has. And that's why we have so much to be thankful for. Thankful for, first and foremost, His mercy. That forgiveness is our greatest need. His mercy. And then 10,000 blessings besides. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. But we got it. But we got it. Give thanks and have mercy in Jesus' name.